Rav Shimon Schwab once gave a beautiful marshal of our situation without Mashiach. And he explained that imagine if a person goes to a hasana, he goes to a wedding, the band is playing, everybody's dressed up, the food is waiting to be devoured, everything is exciting, the mood is good, the simcha. There's only one thing missing. The chosen and the kala haven't showed up yet. Without a chosen and the kala, it's not possible to have a wedding the way it's meant to be. Says Rabbi Shimon Shvab, that is exactly how we are meant to be feeling in the situation that we're in right now. Where we don't have Mashiach, the only difference is we don't realize that the chosen and the kala are not even here. Now, the Maris, I don't have to tell everybody here, but there's a famous Gemara. There's a Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara tells us as follows. Says the Gemara, when a person comes up to Shomayim after 120 years of living in this world, there's going to be an exam. There's going to be a test. It's going to be a test. What's this test? So the Gemara tells us it's a very simple question, very simple test, very easy, nothing to worry about. There are only four questions, four simple questions, of which all of those four are answerable by a yes or a no answer. <laughs> How much easier can it get? Not only that, but they tell us the questions before we get there. How much better can it get? Simple exam. You got the four questions, yes or no answer, you're told the questions beforehand, you can't get any better. What are the questions? I think we have to spend a little bit of time discussing what's going on over here. There's four questions. We're going to discuss one tonight. Question number one. Did you conduct your business affairs honestly or not? Nice question. Question number two. Did you set aside time to learn a fixed time of Torah? Question number two. Simple. Question number three. Did you occupy yourself with Puruvu with the having of children? Okay. Question number four. Did you eagerly anticipate Moshiach? Now, very, very interesting. Good, interesting questions. You say this questions that we are going to be asked after 120 years in this world when we get up there. So Rabbi Sai, if we answer these four questions with, a, uh, with the correct positive answer, we are guaranteed a place in Olam Haba. Guaranteed place. Let's go through the questions. Pretty simple. Question number one. Question number one. Did a person conduct himself, you know, properly in business? So, or Hashem, I think we can say, there's a, a tremendous awareness for Hashem Mishpat, for the study of uh, monetary matters, ethics and business, people are busy, Dayanim, Beistinim, all these sorts of things have become more and more and more over the previous years. I think we can honestly say that we have something positive to answer on that part. Number two, did we set aside the fixed time for learning? So, I think we can look around the world, whether it's out to Israel, America, England, Australia, South Africa, and we can see there are kolos coming up, there's yeshivas, things of people are daf yomis all over the world, now there's a shabur yomi, now there's mishli yomi, and there's that. It's amazing. Can we not answer positive for that one as well? Number three, did we occupy ourselves with Puru, having children? So, okay, you know, obviously we're not holding the parasha right now, but eventually we're going to get there, and it's not exactly in our power. We will obviously do our shnadas, we'll try, but we can't do more than that. 
Now we have places making shachonim with shaduchim and those and that. I think we can have something positive to say. Now we have question number four. Did a person or did he not anticipate eagerly the Mashiach? So if you look at the first three questions, I think we see a common thread running through them and that ends us off with the fourth question. What's the common thread? The common thread is that if you look at all three questions, these are things that we are busy our entire lives. He doesn't ask, did you eat matzah on Pesach? You're not asked, did you shake a lulav or sit in a sukkah? Because these are sometimes you do them, sometimes you don't. Over here, the questions that we are being asked, the common thread that weaves between all of these three first questions is one thing. Things that take up your entire life. Things that go through your entire life. If that's true, then when we get to the fourth question, we can say that it must be the same thing as well. And it must be that the fourth question that we are going to be asked in Shemayim has a very similar thread to the first three. And if the first three were things that didn't just happen sometimes, every so often, here, there, and everywhere, but these were things that happen on a daily basis, I was part of our lives, fairly in business, learning Torah, Isaac and Puravu with children, these are all things that were Isaac our entire life, day in, day out. So it must be that question number four is similar. Which means that when the question is, did you anticipate Moshiach? It means that the question is not, did you think about it once? But it has to be something that is our essence, that we're completely thinking about all the time. That a person has to realize that we're not dealing with something we have to think about every so often. We're dealing with something that a person should wake up in the morning when he says, Moida'an. And he should be with an excitement. Today is Mashiach. It comes at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock lunchtime. Oh, Mashiach hasn't come yet. There's still time. It comes to the night before we go to bed. And I said, oh, another day in this world without Mashiach. That is what it's meant to be. Now let me tell you a couple of things about the coming of Mashiach without going into too many details, obviously. Is the Vaisa like this? We'll get to that. The Ramban explains the Indian of coming Mashiach it's not only a form of emuna, meaning, stop, you've got to believe it. It's one of those things, you know. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe that Mashiach is going to come. No, no, no. Says the Ramban, it's not only about believing. But there is a chiyu, there's an obligation on every single person sitting here to anticipate with an excitement, with an eagerness of the coming of Mashiach. In a way that we have to realize our lives are not complete without it. We can't manage, there's something missing in our lives. We have to walk around our day on a daily basis with a desire, with an, with, with, with an excitement that, oh, we need a Mashiach. Now, yeah, don't get me wrong. Mashiach, people often think is, well, there's problems in the world. People never are suffering. There's all sorts of terrible things. So therefore, we need a Mashiach. Unfortunately, the Mephoshim don't explain that way. It's not an answer to all of your problems when Mashiach comes. It's not like, oh, Mashiach is going to come, everything's been saved up, and everything's good. That will be the end to all the sorrows in Klal Yisrael. That's not the Pshat, at least how the Mephoshim I looked up said. That the time over here, the Pshat over here is, that a person has to realize we want Kvot Shomayim. 
We want the Rebbeinu Shalom to be known to every single person. The coming of Mashiach is not simply a way to turn off the problem switch. But the situation of Mashiach comes to be that the Rabbi Shalom is known to everybody. There's no secret, it's not only us, it's everybody that knows the Rabbi Shalom. And it's that a person has to walk around every yid, has a chiyom. To walk around and poshut have this eagerness, this excitement, this want for Mashiach to come. And it has to be something that we really, really, really do believe in. There's a Mephirish Rambam. The Rambam writes in Perigil Aleph of Vahilchus Melachim that he writes if a person, Misha Einoi, Mechakin if a person doesn't want, doesn't wait, doesn't have this excitement for Mashiach, so Shemirachim says the Rambam, then what happens over here is, unfortunately, he's considered to be someone that's koifa in the whole Torah. It's not just one thing. A person, this is a chiv that a person has to walk around every single day. How many people even thought about this? How many people even thought that, hold on a minute, everyone believes, yeah, there'll be Mashiach one day. Very nice. You were yates are the obligation. The obligation over here is not to believe, says the Ramban. The obligation over here is to have an eagerness, have a want. Let me tell you something very interesting. Let me tell you something interesting. There was a uh, fellow told me this actually. He was in a uh, he was in a makolet in a shop right before Yontif. Right, everybody knows. Right before Pesach or Sukkot, whatever it is, the queues are mummish, unbelievable, all the way back to the end of the store over there. And you're waiting impatiently until the next person comes and does their shopping and bags it up and pays and blah 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 blah. That's nice. And a woman said by the counter over there. That if we waited for Mashiach in the same way that we wait for the next person to be finished, then we can imagine what we're missing. And it's a big yisoid. It hits home when you hear that. That we wait for so many things. We wait for this, we wait for that, we wait for that. Did anybody ever have a wait for Mashiach? So I want to give you a couple of anhogas of the Gedolim and what they did. We have to realize as well, something also very important, right? Yidin in the olden days, didn't have such a problem looking forward to Mashiach, right? Whether it was, whether it was a time from, from, from the Crusades to the Russian army, whether it was the time of, you know, the Nazis and Mashiach, whatever it was, these people lived Mashiach. They lived with every single day the anticipation of something coming and something saving them and Kvot Shemayim coming down. This is Boshet. With Desla, in the Mechta Meliyahu, writes that the problem that we have is we're too comfortable. We're too comfortable. What do you mean? I just built my 14th bathroom. I don't need Mashiach to come. Because then I can't use my fourth car. Because I can't. They were too comfortable. Says the Mikhtar Meliyahu. We're comfortable with our lives. And we think that this is good and this is what we're living for. So we, then we have a problem. Rabbi say, somebody once walked in. A big tzaddik walked into a uh, swarm shop. Right before Tishabav. And he said, I'd like to buy a kinnis, please. So... Goes going to take the Guinness. He knows this person, the and he says, "Here's the Guinness." So he starts haggling with the price. You know, oh, does it cost so much? Maybe give me a discount. This, that, and the other. That feels very weird. But he haggling and haggling and haggling and haggling. Eventually, he got down the cheap price. So he bought it. He said, "Let me ask you something." And I said, "You come here almost weekly to buy big sets of swine. You didn't mention a word about the price. Nothing. Here, you buy a Guinness for Tishabab. One thing, and you make the whole thing of the price. What's up?" It's a Every safer that I buy, I'm going to need for a long time. This kid is only need for tomorrow. I need it for Tishabab. After that, Mashiach is going to be here. And that's it. I don't need it anymore. This is somebody that lived with it. 
He lived with the Metzius that Mashiach is around the corner. It's happening. And therefore, I don't need anything more than that. The Panovichirov was suffering once from a terrible, terrible uh, toothache. And the dentist said to him, there's only one way to recover. And that is, we put out the tooth. So, he refused. He said, no, I'm a Kayin. And if I'm a Kayin, if I don't have teeth, I won't be able to work in the Beis HaMikdosh. He lived it with Moshe Feinstein. One time before he had an operation, sat down with his son-in-law, Rav Tendler, and explained, and he was asked, asked Rav Tendler, his son-in-law, to explain to him the whole operation. This way, and that way, and Rav Moshe said, explain it to me again. Very unusual. And he explained to him all the details of the operation. It was this way, it was that way. I said, Rebbe, what's Pshat? Like, what you? He said, very simple. He said, because Be'ez HaShem, I'm going to be Roy to serve in the Sanhedrin. The problem is, if I get a mum and I have an operation, if I'm a bal mum, then I won't be able to. This is somebody that lived with it. They lived with the anticipation that it's happening, it's going to be. It's not some of this long lost dream that, you know, Yidin have been thinking about for hundreds of years, so let's think about it for another hundred of years. My Nafkamina, the stipler used to have a special hat. I think it was a jacket, a hat, whatever it was. Miyuchot for when Mashiach came. When Mashiach came, he put it on. Tremendous thing. Because they tell us in the one of the tzaddikim, one of the big rebbers, has such a tzipisi to Yeshua. He was never Messiah das his entire life for Mashiach coming until he was old. And he said, when he was very old, he mentioned that uh, before he was right before he was nifter, he said, if I would have known when I was younger that when I'm getting old, Mashiach isn't still here, I would never have been able to live from the tzar of not having the Mashiach. It was only the Betochen that I lived day in, day out, day in, day out. Of, yeah, it's coming, it's going to be tomorrow, it's going to be today. When you live like that, that's called a piece of Yeshua, and you can answer. They say by the city of Moshe, he used to hear a noise, he would look around, like, you know, oh, Mashiach, it must be, it's, it's got to be Mashiach. That's how he lived. People used to come to him. I mean, I saw this in other places as well. But someone used to come to him with advice about buying a house and hot stores and a dose at the end. And he didn't understand. He said, what are you doing investing in hot stores? Mashiach is coming. Mamele, we're going to go to So So this is so people that posh it, live with, live with it. One time had a tremendous big elo of a son-in-law. Big time with away. One time the family gets a telegraph from the son-in-law to say the son-in-laws come to visit so they're all excited wow this is you know famous son-in-law we're all excited to see him how's he doing this that and the other so the day arrives of his you know pending arrival and everybody's busy with all the you know preparations that they need to do and they leave the Ismach Moshe out of it what does he have to get involved leave him alone it's okay and finally they're looking out the window and they see slowly but surely the carriage is coming closer and closer and they say oh he's coming he's coming from the distance it gets closer and closer and here he is and they run into the Rebbe, the Yisbach Moshe's room. And they say, Rebbe, Rebbe, he's here. He gets up. He closes the Gemara. And, and, and he puts on his special jacket. And he goes outside with an excitement. His face is shining. You can see this is something he's been waiting for for such a long time. And he sees his son-in-law. And he says, that's not him. That's not him. He understood that if somebody says he's here, he can only talk about Mashiach. He lived it. This is someone that lived it on a very practical level. They say over Rabzundul Salant. Rabzundul Salant, when he davened Shmoyne Esra. Shmoyne Esra. We davened three times a day for Mashiach. He, when he said Shmoyne Esra, when he got to Es Semach David, 
He stopped, he opened his eyes, and he looked around, and then he continued. And they asked him, Rebbe, what what's the chat? What are you, a middle man? So you stop looking around, like, what's going on? He said, what are you talking about? I don't want my bracha to be a bracha levatolah. And if I'm asking for Mashiach to come, I, I need to check Russian that he's not here. Then I can make a Samuel David. Otherwise, Prussia, Bracha Levatol. I mean, these are Yidin Rabbi Tsai that Prussia live with Sipis of Yeshua. That when they come to Shemayim and the Rabbi Nishleim ask them the fourth question, for them it's simple. For them it's easy. Let me give you a Maisa. I say over a Maisa like this that there was a Rebbe in a camp somewhere in Catskills in America. And he was teaching a bunch of Bachim, you know, camp, they have learning sessions. He was teaching Gemara to a bunch of young guys. There was one particular boy, just, just didn't get it. He just not interested, wasn't listening, lazy, ah, just couldn't get through to him. Until one day, a Gemara came up, and they started discussing the Beis HaMikdash. And all of a sudden, this boy sort of woke up. Oh, Beis HaMikdash? Really? You mean it could be a Beis HaMikdash? You mean Mashiach could come? And then, da, da, da. he started getting all interested. And this was like, weird. You know, we're going through all Gemara, all summer. All of a sudden, he starts to get waking up when we discuss Beis HaMikdash, what's the so he went over to the camp director. He said, well, what's the in this boy? What's the, give me the history. So the uh, camp director told him, let me tell you, this boy, unfortunately, is an orphan. Doesn't have a mother, mother doesn't have a father. For him, if Mashiach comes and the Bishamikdash is built, so he'll now be able to see his parents again. So for him, it's a real thing. He's missing something. And if you're missing something and you want it back, so in Echanami, you appreciate that a father you want Mashiach to come and be Samikdash to be here, the Korbanus, the Kehanim, Gilu Ashkina, such a wonderful situation. But unfortunately, we mentioned the beginning from the Moshev from Shwab, we don't even realize that the Chassan and the Kala are not by the Chassana. We're having such a great time in the Chassana, we don't even have. The Chassan and the Kala haven't arrived yet. They didn't show up the whole night, but everybody had a great time. Says Rabshim Shwab, that's what we're living. We're living in a great chasana. Great time, excitement, beautiful, wow, wow. Hold on a minute, did you realize that Ikir isn't here? The Ikir Simcha, the Ikir Gila Hashchina isn't here, Bechlal. I want to say over as well something else which is also very, very interesting as follows. If I find it. Oh, it's a Meritiki Gemara. The Gemara tells us in Baba Basra, Maisa Shahoya, by Rabbi Barabchana, that Rabbi Barabchana went one time on a ship voyage. Mamish, a big ship, big trip, says the Gemara. And eventually his boat landed somewhere. Very interesting. His boat, says the Gemara, landed on the back of a whale. Now, the back of this whale was so humongous that they didn't even realize it was a whale. They thought it was an island. There was sand on it. You know, it was a nice, nice amount of space over there. The shores, you know, water was coming like a beach. It was beautiful. So they landed on this, what they thought was an island, which really was the back of a whale. As I stated in the Gemara, continues the Gemara, right? They enjoyed themselves. They went around here, they went around there. Eventually they said, we're hungry. We need to eat. So how do you eat? You start cooking. How do you cook? You need a fire. No. So they started lighting a fire. And the fire started going. The whale started realizing, hold on a minute, what is going on over here? He flips up, right? The Gemara says, if not for the ship being right next to him over there, he would have died. But he managed to make it into the ship. The whale flipped him up because he realized that the fire was over there. Says the Marisha. Beautiful pshat in this Gemara. Says the Marisha, pshat in the Gemara is, this is the tale of Klal Yisrael throughout history in Golos. What we do is we land ourselves on a place. We park ourselves in a place that we think is an island. That we think is a real thing. 
until eventually what the Goyim do is they flip us up and they move us to the next place. Whether it be whether it be uh, Spain in 1492, Kiev in 1648, or Germany in 1940, it happens every time. The moment that we there, we think this is the world. Let's enjoy ourselves because we're in the world. Then the whale flips himself up and moves us elsewhere to a different place. This is the Mashal, this is the history of Klal Yisrael from the beginning of time all the way to Mashiach. We have to realize something about Isaiah. And we have to realize that we're MS, that we're missing something. And we're holding right by the end. Whatever that means, I don't know. How long, I don't know. But there's something missing over here. And that is we have an obligation of a mummish to have an expectation that Mashiach is coming. We have to live with something. We have to start practicing. That when we wake up in the morning, we have to believe, yes, Mashiach can be here. And we want Mashiach to come. Not that we're too settled. Not that we're too easy. And we're too shakua and sunk into our ways in this life, in this world, in an easy way. So let's just continue. I don't need Mashiach. No. We have to realize that we need good, 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 We need the Rebbein to come down. Klali Sola going through such terrible times. But it's not the answer to the problems. But if we have Mashiach and Abay Samikdash, obviously Klali Sola will be able to live in a whole different way. It's clear that we're living in a completely different area. There was a mice in Tel Aviv a number of years ago with a secular couple that moved in a certain place in Tel Aviv and they eventually had children. The problem was that they were the only nearest school that they were that to, 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 of their sort of people was quite far away. The mother was a very overpowering mother. I'm not having you traveling on a bus. The only school that was nearby was a religious school. So she said, okay, you can go to the religious school as only you don't come back with any fanatical behavior or whatever. So she comes back one day after many years of being in the school and she says, Mommy, I'd like to light Shabbos candles. I would love to light Shabbos candles. Oh, Shabbos candles, do me a favor. We don't do that over here. Leave me alone. So let's do whatever you want. So she goes running to the grocery and she says to the grocer, can I have two candles, please? So this grocer knows that she's from some completely not religious home. Thinking she doesn't need Shabbos candles. They probably need yachtside candles. Right? Those big, hefty candles that last for 24 hours. So again, figures that's probably that's the only thing that probably you're gonna light. So he gives her two outside candles. So the girl takes it, not knowing any better. She takes it, she goes to her bedroom, and she lights these two outside candles. Right? And she sits there looking at the neighbors. Oh, half an hour, an hour later, whatever it was, her mother comes into the room to see how she's doing. And he sees and she sees her looking at these two candles. And she says to look, one is for mommy and one is for daddy. Mm-hmm. At that spot she noticed and she realized herself. And she said, if you're lighting a Yorkshire candle for me while I'm alive, it means I'm really dead. And she became a Baltruva on the spot. Unbelievable mindset. We're living in a situation where people are realizing, you know, very nice to live a happy life in Gishmak and Simcha Rabba and everything else. But the Iker is missing. There's no Beis Amikdash. There's no Kohona, there's no Korbanas, there's no Gila Shechina. We don't see the Rebbeinu Shalom. It's something that's awesome. It's so, so, so concealed. We don't see it. And we have to realize that as well. I'm going to tell you one last Maisa, Modika Maisa. You might have heard this before when we discussed Mitter, but you have to hear it again. A, modic, a true Maisa. Similar question what we said previously. Similar, similar story. And that was, it was a couple, also very traditional, didn't keep very much, and they sent their child to a local from school because she was becoming friendly with the neighbors that were all from. And she said, all right, you want to go to that school? No problem. But do me a favor again, don't come back with any of this Yiddishkeit business. We're not interested in this. But, she comes running in one day, small eight, nine-year-old little girl, and she comes and says, Mommy, Mommy, are we going to use the Kois Shalaliyahu? 
Right, she comes back with a beautiful, nice silver case, and she says to her mommy, Look, we learned about it in Ghana, we fit it to the top, and there you are, comes, and the seed and peace, like a matzah, more, wow. And mother looks at the father, the father's cringing. This is what they're teaching this daughter. Ugh, it's bothering him, it's really getting to him. So the mother looks at the father and says, Come on, do it for her. She's so innocent, that's all she wants. If you make her happy, why not? All right, make her happy. We'll have a savior tonight. They sit down, right? He's looking, the father's looking like mommy. She's like, there's, you know, there's, there's smoke coming out of his nostrils and his ears at the time. His mommy's bubbling. But all right, we'll do it for the sake of the daughter. And they start eating a little bit of matzah, a little bit of moro, this, that, and the other. Comes 12 o'clock at night. The father says, that's it. I've had enough with all this playing around. No more, over. And he goes running upstairs. I'm going to bed. The daughter says, wait. We didn't do the kosher Elio yet. And the mother looks. At, Too bad. Good night. And off he goes. About an hour or two later, maybe one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, the father is tossing and turning in bed. He push, can't fall asleep. And he figures the reason is because he upset his daughter. Never his little daughter. That's all she wanted was to put a bit of wine into a cup and drink it. How bad can it be? No. So he says, you know what? I think I need to apologize. So he goes over to, the, to his daughter's bedroom and he sees that her bed's empty. Nothing there. So he says, where is she? So he goes downstairs and he sees that his little daughter has her face pressed against the window with tears streaming down her face. And he says to her, what's the matter, my little dear child? What's going on? So she says, what do you mean? Don't you see him? What are you talking about? It's two o'clock in the morning. Who are you looking at? She says, don't you see him? Elio Anovi is waiting to come into our house. If only we would see him and we'd want him and we'd open the door. This was the Amuna shoot of a little eight-year-old, nine-year-old girl. The Amuna that we have to have, the Bitochen that we have to have, the piece of Yeshua we have to push it, think, and want the Rebbeinu Shalom to come down to Megale Shechina and to bring Moshiach and stop the suffering in Kalal Yisrael. We have to have this Amuna. This is a key. The Rambam says that if you don't think of this, you've been kaifed the ikh of the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu brought down. This is one of the ikri emunah that a person has to think about. It's a key, it's an obligation on every single person. Rabbi Sai, we have to work on it. We should all, each day, once at least during the day, think about what's going on in the Kalalisra, what's going on out there in the real world. And how it is to have Mashiach and how it, it will be such a different world for a person to realize and live in a world with the Gila Shechina that the Rabbani Shalom is living with us. And when you think of that, I think it will make it easier. And I think we have to work on this Be'ezah Hashem Rabbani side to fulfill this obligation and not Chas Shalom, be over to be Kofa in the Torah. We have to take a belief that there is a Moshiach, the Moshiach is coming, and every single day when we wake up and we say, Moida'an in the morning, it has to be today. Today's the day. It can happen now. Look around. You hear a noise. This time, it's Moshiach. This is how a person has to think. This is how a person has to act. And this obviously is how a person has to live. We should be Zoycha Be'ez Hashem Rabbi to have a Siyat Dishmaya that the Rabbi Yishim should give us all to really believe, to have the Sipisi Yeshua, so that when we get up there after 120 years, we'll have what to answer, not on question number one only, or question number two only, or question number three only, but also on question number four. Because this Ravosai is going to be the hardest exam of your life. Good night, Ravosai.